We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the final edition of the Tuesday World War NFL podcast. I'm Joe Barlow. Alongside me is Jake Letarski. And with no other fantasy sports going on, we are into the playoffs right now. We'll be breaking down the waiver wire edition of the show, the award show portion of it, giving out awards to Cordell Patterson, among others of the top waiver wire pickups and your favorite fantasy plays this year. Stick around. This is World War Fantasy Sports. Uh, well, I, well, I was going to say Radio War Fantasy Sports Day, but the World War podcast. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Tuesday, January 11th edition of the World of War NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. Again, I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And alongside me, as always, or at least most of the season, last two weeks been a little bit different, is Jake Latarski. Jake, before we get into the award show and break it down for the listeners, what we're going to be doing today, I want to get a word from our sponsors, WinBet. They've been there for If there's one making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you guys to listen up with Rotoware's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotoware's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertips. If you want a break from sports betting, head to WinBet's digital casino, take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in seven states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding at WinBet. The possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Worldwide listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Worldwide's fantasy. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor 
It's the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Podcast. All right, Jake, like I said, uh, to start the show, not a lot of uh, fantasy stuff going on because the season is officially over. We have made it through the week, uh, the 18-week grind. Uh, we have our number one Packers at the top of the NFC. Somehow the Titans have made it to the top of the AFC. I have no idea how that really occurred. We can get into that a little bit more mm-hmm. and discuss uh, yeah. what our playoff thoughts are. But overall, this show will be highlighting the key waiver wire pickups that hopefully we identified throughout the season that hopefully also have made your season uh, winning one. And also uh, any other fantasy tidbits that you and I kind of discussed throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First, I mean, I want to say it's good to be back. I missed a couple of weeks. I was sad to miss you guys. It was it was a hilarious kind of coincidence. I mean, I had a family member get COVID, got the Omicron, so I couldn't go back for Christmas. My brother and some friends went to the Bucks game uh, instead, you know, as a, as a replacement Christmas plan. And and sure enough, we got COVID there. So uh, so I've been uh, out of the office, out of the studio. You can see I'm back at home here with the two gods of Wisconsin sports behind me, Giannis and Aaron Rodgers here. And uh, no, it, it's good to be back. And uh, I know I've groaned a little bit about extending late late into the season, later into the season than normal. But if you're with us today. Thank you very much. We'll run through the waiver wire pickups, you know, that the league winning waiver wire pickups and uh, hopefully give you some strategy that, uh, you know, 
we can give you the context on what led to these players being identified and, and why they were solid. And then if you remember from way, way back in the preseason, we did a bunch of team win total over unders. And we'll recap that at the very end here. See how our uh, overall plays did, our best bets played. And uh, so we should have a fun show. And uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Yeah, and you know, identifying value throughout the season, whether it be a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, it's not just a waiver wire thing, too. I think, like for example, discuss Joe Burrow, and we could probably dive right in now as as a good segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, Joe Burrow was the the league winner for a lot of people over the past two or three weeks with the Bengals offense and doing what they did to get to the AFC North uh, crown. I think we're going to have to take a look as to how we really identify these young quarterbacks because. This year, the rookies that were taken, none of them really had tremendous fantasy value. But you look back in the year before, mm-hmm. both Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow were fantastic. And I thought uh, where they're being drafted at that time made them fantasy relevant. And certainly, given what the production they had before Burrow went down, he was right there. Oh, now we have back again for Herbert. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, you might have to tighten up that mic cord a little bit here. It's a little bit scratchy in and out. Sorry about that. I'll give you some time to do that while I talk about Burrow here. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, Joe Burrow, I put him, again, now a waiver wire show. It depends on your league format here. You know, if you were in a 10-team league, there's a good chance Burrow wasn't drafted or anything beyond that. He was probably drafted. And it also depends on when you draft, too. Because, right, if you drafted late in in, in the season, you know, the last week before the regular season, chances are you knew that Burrow was going to be fine here. Um I mean, he was where he was drafted even then was as a QB2 if you're even taking a QB2. Because if you remember way back when, he was having that great rookie season, but then he tore both his ACL and MCL in week 11. And for much of the offseason, you know, usually this is a one year rehab deal here. He wasn't always certain that he was going to suit up and be ready to go uh, week one. Now, um, if you look at NFFC ADP from before the year, he finished as QB13. So, you know, that accounts for a lot of late drafts, too. So it really depends, uh, again, on your league format if he was a waiver wire. But obviously, if you picked him up or acquired him at some point, uh, that was a league winner. He finished as uh, he finished as QB8 overall in the season. I'm just using a standard Yahoo scoring league that I had. But, uh, I mean, he, he was a player that uh, absolutely made the difference for you here. And somehow in stake league, I ended up with Herbert and Burrow. And while <laughs> Herbert finished higher... Um, I traded Burrow to Harry and Harry ended up, you know, top two, top three in points on the season here. So I was like, I was trying to, I was just trying to pawn off my QB two. you know, I was like, Hey man, you want, you want Burrow to pair up with Chase, right? You're sick at Tannehill. Let's make a deal. And little did I know, uh, that he would destroy me with Burrow and Chase in the playoffs. So, you know, funny story, it all comes back full circle, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to watch those guys coming back from injuries and, uh, sophomore quarterbacks. I mean, are there any sophomore quarterbacks next year? I don't know if I'm ready to believe in Trevor Lawrence right away. I mean, okay. He had an okay, you know, week, week 18 here, but you know, remember he went through that game, that stretch of games where he went six games or so and threw only one touchdown pass, like since Halloween. So, I mean, that is going to make me really hesitant to touch him. And I don't think he'll be a top 20 ADP quarterback next year. Now I know you were a Lawrence guy. Do you mm-hmm. think you're going to buy the sophomore buy and, and I'm trying to think like, um, there's a real quarterback controversy in San Francisco. So I don't know if Trey Lance takes over, you know, for Jimmy G they both, uh, you know, Jimmy G has played pretty well, let him to the playoffs for the most part. And then of course you look at Justin Fields in Chicago, if they can get any kind of semblance of a decency in the organization, just because of his rushing, I think he, maybe has the best chance of any of the rookies this year to have a somewhat breakout sophomore season and be productive. Yeah. I I mean, it depends on who the Jaguars have as a head coach. We were talking off air 
right before the show started that the odds on favor right now is Bill O'Brien. If Bill O'Brien is your head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars next year, I'm completely out of Trevor Lawrence and that franchise. There might as well be 31 teams in the NFL because the Jaguars can be sent off to the moon. That's just the most ridiculous mm-hmm. choice that could possibly be made. I don't believe they're actually going to go that direction. I thought with how bad uh, Shad Khan, their owner, has uh, reacted to being made a fool of, the one person that would make you look even more foolish than hiring Urban Meyer in the first place is yeah. Bill O'Brien. I, like, I, I, think I mean, it has to be Byron Leftwich, right? It should. That's be. the only sensible move for the Jaguars to make. If I were a Jaguars fan, and I know we have plenty at HQ, if you don't hire Brian or Byron Leftwich, a boycott, right? That's, right. It's right in front of your face. Hire that man. He has been successful. He's ready, and I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I, I, if there's something behind the scenes or whatever, who knows? He's definitely paid his dues. Of course, he's got uh, you know the experience with the organization. I think he has to be the guy over there. I think the answer to the second-year quarterback question for me is probably Justin Fields, and I, I hate saying that as a Packers fan, but I was pretty mm-hmm. impressed with what he could do. From a fantasy perspective, his legs yeah. are going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I also think Trey Lance will be very good, too, if and when the 49ers do move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, he worked out a lot of the kinks this year. There's a whole draft ahead now. Who knows if the who they're going to hire as their new GM and if they'll draft any good. But you have to imagine that they'll get him a little bit of help, whether it be offensive line or in forms of weapons. Montgomery is excellent. Darnell Mooney, who we'll talk about maybe a little bit later, had a breakout year. So there's enough there. I mean, Cole Komet is getting better. There's enough there, I think, you know, weapon-wise. But really, why it's going to be – why he'll be a top 12 fantasy quarterback, maybe not top 12, top 15 fantasy quarterback is going to be due to his legs. I imagine the keys are going to be handed over to him next year. You know, they got, they have nothing to lose here necessarily. Uh, So, I mean, first year coach, it'll be, or maybe not a first year coach if they do a retread, but uh, you know, you have to think the guy's job will be pretty safe after the first year. So it's not like Nagy where it's like, well, we have a better chance to win with Dalton, but I need to develop fields. What am I going to do? This will be fields the whole way out with little controversy here. And as long as he doesn't manage and manages not to get himself injured, uh, he would be the guy who would be the sophomore to look at as a possible big bump. You know, to win fantasy football leagues, you don't win fantasy leagues by taking a quarterback in the first three rounds. We talk about this every single year. You know, you have to find that guy in rounds eight, nine, ten, or beyond that is going to end up a top eight quarterback. And 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 I think Fields has a much better chance to do it than Lawrence or or any of the other rookies. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting. The other guy we should probably mention is Mac Jones, who. Ended up being QB one ish value, certainly at different times. I know the end of the season, notwithstanding, but Mm -hmm. we talk about the rookie quarterbacks and Fields and Lance and maybe even Zach Wilson, depending on what the Jets do. And yet here, Mac Jones was the most productive one in a system that we know was catered to him. And I'll have a second year under his belt, getting more comfortable with his weapons. Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones finished the year as QB 18. And, uh, you know, he closed with an average draft position of 32. Now, that's because nobody really knew during draft season that they were going to release Cam Newton and give the and give the keys to Mac Jones immediately. So, yeah, there's a chance that, uh, you know, he could take a big leap forward and end up in QB1 territory. I will say that I don't think I'd feel great if I drafted him as my QB1, uh, you know, if I waited till the absolute end of the draft and drafted him and, and entered the season relying on him. Because I don't know if Bill Belichick, even maybe in his sophomore year, he can, uh, you know, he can let him loose a little bit more. He can free Mac Jones. But I still think he'll be generally pretty conservative. All three backs that are around are going to are going to be the feature of that offense. I mean, Stevenson and Harrison, they deserve it. I'm not sure what James White's contract situation is off the top of my head, 
But, you know, we'll see, you know, who's the better option between him and Bolden. They'll run a three-headed system. You know, Hunter Henry will be involved. They'll, they'll do short passes. But I don't see Mac Jones suddenly jumping to someone who's going to, you know, 300 yards, three touchdowns every single game. He'll be a very – he'll be a much better real-life quarterback than he will be fantasy quarterback, which is basically the opposite of fields. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think he'll be a bottom half uh, QB2 territory. And that's that's – I'm like – there are possible players the Patriots could improve. I know they spent a ton of money this past offseason, but if you give me another wide receiver uh, that has more talent than a Kendrick Bourne, I thought the Patriots did a lot with Kendrick Bourne, but like more upgrades at that place. And then maybe mm-hmm. an offensive philosophy that shifts away from giving Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson 20 carries each. Then you have Mac Jones that could be fancy relevant. But, uh, but until that point happens, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I'm not sure he's going to be a guy I'm drafting. Uh, in most standard formats, we, we play we play in a lot of deeper leagues, so it's a little bit different. But in most standard formats, I think he probably falls outside of that first round. Any other quarterbacks that you like value wise yeah. this season? I mean, the one another guy who you know not, wasn't necessarily a league winner unless you got him at the very end in the superflex format. But I mean, Derek Carr took a huge jump from twenty five ADP and finishing his QB fourteen. He wasn't necessarily winning you weeks, but he was absolutely consistent enough to uh, warrant a super flex spot every week. Now, I don't know what that necessarily means for next year. I mean, you know, we'll see, we'll see what that team looks like. I think that team's looking better, but again, they're going to have a new coach. He's going to have a new coach. So we'll see. Um, You know, I assume the Packers will franchise tag Adams, but I know Derek Carr loves Devontae Adams from the college (laughs) days. So, uh, you know, if they don't take him, that would obviously change the car outlook a lot, you know, if, if Adams were to go over there. But uh, but right now, I think he's going to be valued similarly going into this season. He probably won't be inside the top 20 ADP, but it's consistent enough to scream in a lot of weeks. And he'll be a guy we talk about a lot next week, next year when we do streaming options. And then the other guy who I wanted to mention on the award show, just because of the semifinals magic, got a lot of people to championship games and then maybe lost in championship games. But Tyler Huntley. Um, you know, you know, had that one great week in the playoffs when it mattered most. A lot of Lamar owners made the direct switch, so he probably gets an honorable mention here. And uh, whatever happens with him with this offseason, if he sticks around in Baltimore, if, he, if the Ravens decide to maximize his value maybe on the trade market, mm-hmm. he's an interesting player and possibly a low-dollar keeper if he uh, if he gets the reins somewhere else. Yeah, I think that, that trade value would be interesting. There are a lot of teams that are going to need quarterbacks this offseason – Broncos, Panthers, Steelers just jump out right away. Uh, not that the Ravens are trading in the division, but there are going to be suitors for Huntley if and when a team loses out in the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. And I think Huntley is going to be a fantastic fallback. And I was impressed with what he did against the Packers. I know the Packers ended up winning, um, and the Packers also are god-awful against mobile quarterbacks. We know that. But I think Huntley is – I think he might be the real deal in terms of a mid-tier, a little bit lower-tier quarterback value, which is not what he's going to have with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson right around. So uh, anybody else at quarterback, we're good to move on to running back. Yeah, I think we're good to move on. That that was the list here. Everybody else that finished in the top 15-ish was basically ADP in the top 15-ish or not waiver wire candidate. We're going to try to keep the scope of this to guys that you could have logically, realistically picked up off the waiver wire this year. Yeah, well, I think at running back, we should probably start first with the playoff hero of playoff heroes. And that was Rashad Penny, who finally had his first healthy stretch of his entire career and went absolutely ballistic. And now we're going to have to have this conversation. Is Rashad Penny a second, third, fourth round pick next year with what he did this year? And I think the answer is, God, I don't know. 
but what we saw on the field with the Seahawks <laughs> is pretty incredible. We need to see what happens with that roster necessarily because I know Seattle's always done this. You know, they've, they've gotten by with the subpar offensive line. We need to see what happens with Russell Wilson, if he stays, if he goes. Um, we need to see, you know, who their replacement is if he goes because, uh, you know, if, if they end up with a subpar quarterback or, you know, maybe Geno Smith ha- has to start, then I'm not quite as excited about Rashad Penny. But, yeah, Rashad Penny gets an app. He gets a nod here just because of the playoffs heroes. I mean, he finished the season with 26.3, 5.4, 19.5, 31.5, and 25 points. So that's semifinal, final, and if you play Week 18 at all, that was an absolute league winner, though. But if I had to give the award to one running back and I could only pick one running back, I don't think he's the guy I'd pick because I'd probably pick a guy who's done it all season long. And that would be? You know, Alan really wanted – me to pick Elijah Mitchell with the cover boy but I think when I was looking at it this morning I think the award for top pickup of the entire year of any position has got to be Cordero Patterson and uh let me tell you why here he was uh his ADP was running back 163 280 overall but don't forget his ADP would have been um wide receiver 221 and in some formats you could play him at both and he was just as consistent as they come, if you um, if you were not a Mike Davis believer all you know all year long and uh, jumped on Cordero Patterson the moment you got the chance to, I mean that was a player that uh, you know outside of the one I think it was only one game that he missed. So you know you had his bye and then one missed game. I mean he was an absolute fantasy stud from you know he, he cooled off a little bit down the stretch. You know I, I can a little give bit you that. I think is an understatement. Yeah, so he cooled off a lot of it down the stretch with matchups against Buffalo and New Orleans and San Francisco. So so very tough. But, I mean, from week two to week 14, the guy was RB1, and he is responsible for a lot of playoff berths. Now, he might be responsible for a lot of playoff exits here as well. But for someone that you can get for nothing, um, he, he made a difference. Definitely helped people win some points championships, even as far down as 10-team leagues. So the real question now with Cordero Patterson is – What's next? What do we do with him next season? And I got to be honest, I don't know what to think about him in his age 31 season here. Um, will he get double-digit touchdowns again? It looks like Matt Ryan's going to be back here, so there's some stability for sure. You know, maybe they draft somebody. I don't know, but I'm not willing to use a lot of draft capital on him necessarily. Uh, you know, a 31-year-old guy that finally figured it out for the first time in what do we have his fifth, sixth, seventh, eight, in his ninth NFL season. We'll see. You know, I think I might be okay with buying into Patterson. It really depends on his value. So a guy that scored that many touchdowns generally, even at 31 years old is like a second or third round pick. But I think a lot of people are going to have the same sentiment that you do that. Hey, he hasn't done this ever before. Was this just like a weird, uh, positive regression type of deal for someone that was as athletically skilled as we knew Patterson to be for his entire career. And a team finally figured it out. I, I mean, the circumstances in which Patterson was able to produce these numbers should more or less be the same next year. Maybe Matt Ryan doesn't suck as much or Calvin Ridley comes back. And then there's by default, less of a funnel going towards Patterson, but the red zone work, I don't, I mean, unless they really go out and get a, a star running back mm-hmm. to compliment Patterson, he's going to be the guy. Well, Kyle the red Pitts zone work, Kyle Pitts needs to be featured more. 
I mean, God, yes, that is one of the yes, biggest I, coaching I blunders of the whole year that, I, that I'll never understand. And then, of course, uh, you know, I, I guess it's too early to make a call on that now, but I hope all the best for Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. and that he gets back and that he can get involved in that offense. So, you know, uh, presumed growth for Pitts and the return of Ridley means at least 100 less targets to go around here. So that's number one. So here's the hypothetical. Right now, at the end of the season, we rank Cordero Patterson uh, 43 overall, which makes him an uh, early to mid fourth round pick. I don't think personally I'd go above the sixth. Uh, again, so much can change during the offseason in the landscape of that roster, but a fourth round pick, especially an early fourth round pick, that seems too early for me. You know, the fourth round pick is one thing. I would want to know which players are around there. It's a cop right. out. I've of got it record. up right now. I've okay. got it up yeah, right yeah. now. Uh, 44 is Michael Pittman. 45 is James Conner. 46 is IU. 47 is Tyler Lockett. 48 is Darren Waller. 49 is Leonard Fournette. I'll take Patterson over every one of those guys besides Fournette and yeah. probably Waller. Fournette, Waller, maybe even Lockett, too. Oh, well, again, Lockett. You got no yeah, I, no. I've always been a Michael Pittman guy too, uh, so I don't know. Again, that's high for him. Yeah, that's with high Carson for him. Wentz throwing, that's high for him. Is, do we know for sure it's going to be Wentz? I don't think they can get out of it. They don't have a first round. Oh pick. yeah, that's right. Carson Wentz spot track. Let's see what we got here. No, but you're right. Okay, so that was a good decision here. But let's uh, let's not um, let's not let's let's give Elijah Mitchell his due number one and talk a little bit about the 49ers backfield because he does he does deserve a spot on this show. When he was active and when he was healthy, he gave some huge weeks. But that, you know, it was really dependent on one Raheem Mostert getting hurt pretty much before the season even started here. I don't even remember if he got a game in. And two, Trey Sermon being a complete and total bust. You, I mean, you want to talk about busts that were busts for not injury-related reasons. Sermon sitting out the entire year after the supposed RB1 goes down for the season and Jeff Wilson's not even available for half the season. You thought it would be him, but no, it was Elijah Mitchell and he helped some people out, uh, you know, in a big way. Like he was, when he was playing, it didn't really matter the matchup. You could stick him in as RB2 and feel confident about it. So he definitely gets a nod here. And holy crap, Carson Wentz, $22 million next year, 20 the year after and 21 in 2024. So whoo. Uh, anyway, I'm all over the place, but Elijah Mitchell, do you have any other thoughts on him? Yeah, Allen has him as the the top guy in there, only because Allen's into the dynasty stuff. So the younger running back uh, that not a lot of people saw coming, you know, I, I get it. I'm like, I'm not convinced. I'm Elijah Mitchell will be the starter next year, just because the 49ers can literally make any running back be successful. And maybe it is Trey Sermon. Maybe it's somebody else they signed. You have to remember this is the same franchise that, despite knowing in Kyle Shanahan's system. I can guarantee a thousand yard rusher literally off the street. We're going to go ahead and invest 30 million in uh, Jarek McKinnon. We're going to go ahead and resign Raheem Mostert to a three year, $20 million deal. Like they, they put money into the running back position, even when they don't have to. And now they put draft capital into it. And oh, by the way, it's the lesser of the draft capitals. So I almost wonder, not that Kyle Shanahan's ever proven to be a guy that says, I need to make my investments count because, again, I just rattled off three different ones that all suck that they were dumb at doing it. Uh, doing those for, I'm not convinced Mitchell will be the starter by the end of the season for the 49ers just because mm-hmm. of how often they change things. And yes, he was effective, but again, I think anybody can be pretty darn effective. Ever he most might be back mm-hmm. next season, too. So, would you draft Patterson over Mitchell next year? Yes, year's, that's where I'm getting at. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, I was gonna say, I can, 
I could maybe buy that. Like, you know, I have to see what happens with the rest of both of these rosters here. But, you know, if you had to do it today, I could buy uh, one more. Especially, okay, the other thing is, are these sites going to come around and give Patterson RBWR eligibility here? Now, the multi, one, right? Yeah, the multi-position eligibility, it's huge in baseball. It really helps, you know, your flexibility with your roster because there's so many damn positions. But in football, it is rare if ever happens. And uh, that could that alone could boost his value quite a bit because it just gives you a ton of flexibility instead of, you know, going into the waiver wire one week being like, dang it, I have to fill wide receiver three and they're crap options or dang it, I have to fill RB two and there are junk options here. You can be like, I'm just going to go for the best player available regardless of position because then I can put Patterson in the other one. And having that decision-making uh, will be big here. Now, if they draft a top running back, I'm a little concerned. If everybody comes back, I'm a little concerned. Um, I mean, 11 touchdowns seems sustainable enough for him. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, he doesn't have as much tread on the tires as, as one might think because he was always underutilized. I mean, Minnesota never figured it out. So, uh, you know, what? maybe over the I, I started the show thinking, you know, what? I'm not so high on Patterson, but maybe I'm convincing myself over the course of the show here. I, a fourth round pick still might be a little early for me, but, you know, we'll see how everything shakes out next year. And also remember, you know, I'm using an end of season list you know, right. to rank these players. There's going to be rookies probably in that top 50 rookie running backs, depending on, you know, circumstances and where everyone goes. So that'll change things up as well. Yeah. The, the key that I want, I want people who are love fantasy to start thinking about this more. Patterson's one thing, but Debo Samuel, I think towards the end of the year should be having uh fantasy, uh, like a fantasy league maker. So ESPN, Yahoo, NFC, like those, they should be really considering this dual eligibility more because Debo Samuel played as much running back, if not more running back by the end of the year for the 49ers than he did wide receiver. And I I think that's what makes fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball to a lesser extent. The multi-positional eligibility, a lot of fun. I want more of that in the NFL when it applies. Mm -hmm. And I think both Patterson and Samuel work great for that theory. I will say sites, the reason sites don't do it is because of the tech side. It's the tech side of it. It's not... It's not as bad as Shohei Otani, all right? Otani being pitcher hitter <laughs> in fantasy baseball, you know, these two categories have been separated forever and there's never any overlap. That is the uh, that is a programmer's nightmare here. This maybe isn't, uh, you know, I can't speak from a ton of experience. This maybe isn't quite as bad as that, but I will tell you straight up that it's still a large pain in the ass to deal with. And, you know, I mean, can you ever think of any other player that was RB? Del- I mean, Felton this year, did he get it? So, I mean, it's the framework is there for some leagues, but... Uh, I don't know if Taysom people are Hill last be... year is like the perfect example. Of... Yeah. It, eventually that just got changed though. I mean, it was the easy way out. Yeah. It got changed. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm just saying that it would surprise me zero. If sites just said Samuel's a receiver, uh, you know, tough if you don't like it. Right. I, I mean, like I, I get it. I just think that's, that's the next wave of evolution in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Uh, is having these multi-positional eligibility guys being recognized as such. And what does that do for their value in the same way that quarterbacks over the last six or seven years rose up in value or the zero running back strategy? Like those, I think multi-positional eligibility is interesting. Now, if commissioners want to adapt, instead of having two running back spots, you have a running back and a running back slash receiver flex, right? Because that doesn't matter. Yes. So you can so you can just adapt that way too. That's another reason. Like there's a workaround. So maybe sites don't do that. But I mean, obviously, as savvy fantasy players, you'll figure your way around any workaround. Yeah, that's that's true. Any other running backs that you wanted to mention that had a 
drastic implications for fantasy managers out there? Yeah, I mean, Daryl Williams was barely drafted at 185 overall, RB58 in the NFFC's ADP. He finished as RB22 and had some massive, and you pretty much knew which weeks to play him, too. You know, the weeks mm-hmm. that Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Hilaire were out, so he wasn't necessarily burning you in his bad weeks. So I think he gets a nod on here. And I also need to talk about another semifinal hero that carried everyone to the championship uh, that decided to pick him up. Justin Jackson, 32.2 half PPR points at Houston. He's kind of my one-week wonder here. You know, not someone that won you a league consistently over the year, but savvy, timely pickups there um, to, to really help things out. How about the other side of that? Rex Burkhead, Mr. 140 yards and two touchdowns himself as the Texans decimated the Chargers' chances at making the playoffs. Rex Burkhead was great, too. And and you had mentioned something I think is really key. This p- fantasy playoffs, more than any other one that I can remember, was entirely dependent on either, A, getting the Bengals and Chase and Higgins and Burrow, or B, picking up the right players at the right time. Whether it be mm-hmm. Daryl Williams, Justin Jackson, Rex Burkhead, Amon Ross St. Brown, if you were in a shallower league, like there were so many waiver wire guys that directly were part of championship rosters that I can never remember. I don't know if it's because of the COVID stuff or just that point of the season where the matchups were a little bit tough. Teams were maybe resting their guys a little bit more. The Jonathan Taylors of the world had a bit more steam kind of run out, even though I know you won our dynasty league. So you can celebrate that with Jonathan Taylor. Great. I didn't Uh, win it. Benzine oh, I thought, you, I thought you took. Oh, yeah, you're Benzine right. Benzine beat me in the final. Uh, Benzine, that's full PPR, and Jamar Chase dropped 55 on me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, if, and he just absolutely destroyed DJ in that Let trade. me say it this, though. No if we played week 18, I had Dak go for five touchdowns. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor didn't do that great, but, you know, a bunch of my players went nuts in week 18. And if we did a week 17, 18 combined, um, you know, the things might have gone differently. But uh, yeah. hats off to Benzine. He deserves the win. He no, took, I, I hate that. He, he took. A, I mean, he, he took Chase first overall. Out. I mean, he finished last last year. Took Chase first overall in the redraft, and uh, you know, I was just like, "Is this guy insane?" You know, not all the, uh, you know, not all the uh, preseason, you know, stuff about him not seeing the ball had been out at that point. But he took Chase overall and effectively went worst to first. So, uh, you know, that's not an easy thing to do in dynasty leagues in any kind of league. So, you know, hats off to him. I got to, I got to hand it to him. But hey, two years doing that league, I'm in first and second finishes and I've got Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry locked in indefinitely. So I've got another year of uh, taking it to you guys for sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. We'll move over to wide receivers, but before, uh, before we do, let's get a word from our sponsors hall of fame. This episode of the Royal fantasy podcast is brought to you by HOFR daily fantasy sports redefined. No confusing salary caps, no annoying player drafts, just simple, multiple choice questions of the stats, you know, and players you love. That's right. The majority of HOFR's contests focus on single sporting events and only feature questions about popular players and recognizable stats, allowing users to make their po- uh, picks confidently and quickly. Plus, you never play against the house or versus those fancy sharks. The playing field is level for even the most amateur user to find him or herself landing in the money. Unlike those other apps where an incorrect answer can end your night, and HOFR, incorrect answers never eliminate you from competition. I played the other night, and the question was simple as, well, how many touchdowns is Tom Brady going to throw, or which players going to have the most rushing yards? So make your NFL Sunday picks, or I guess Saturday now with the playoffs coming up, with confidence and ease at HOFR. So uh, don't wait another second. Download HOFR. That's H-O-F-R, like the letters, from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store right now. H-O-F-R, it's everything the fantasy sports world has been waiting for. Okay, at wide receiver, we had already mentioned Patterson, the dual eligibility stuff, so we could we could kind of move past that. Yep, it, It's got to be Hunter Renfro as one of the top pickups this, this year, and 
his two touchdown performance against the Chargers kind of capped off what I thought was interesting that, hey, he's a small, uh, quick receiver, and yet one of the better red zone threats in the NFL at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the old narrative was you had to be 6'5", 260 to be a valid red zone target, but now they're finding sneaky little guys that can, uh, you know, make space in, in areas, you know, be effective on those pick plays too. Uh, but overall, I mean, it, what was it, like week three or four, we kind of, we, we denoted uh, Hunter Renfro. Hunter, as like the, Hunter Renfro line. The Hunter Renfro line. And then ever <laughs> since then, he just started getting better and better and better and better. And granted, he had to have one of his teammates crash a car at 200 to, uh, you know, open up some of those targets. Fair enough. Um, but, and then of course, Waller got hurt too. So all those things. So it was more than just his skill level that turned into him being wide receiver 12 this year. That's wide receiver 12. He's a WR1. I mean, you go from 273 and ADP to wide receiver 12. That is impressive as hell. And we talked about Derek Carr, um, you know, kind of sneaking. He, he was also a huge one in that ADP. So, yeah, that Vegas team is going to be interesting for next year. So will Renfro's ADP here. I think people – I'm afraid people are going to overreact to it. But, uh, you know, again, we'll see what that alignment looks like. And uh, if they bring in anybody. Where is his redraft value in entering next season? Because that's an interesting one for me, too. In a full-point PPR format, I don't know, like – he's going to get 150 plus targets each season at minimum. Even if, I mean, I guess like if Devonte Adams came to the Raiders, he won't, I, I just don't, unless Rogers is there. That's a different question. I, I think Renfro is like solidly in that four five, six range, but I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious where we have him ranked right now. Yeah. I don't know if this ranking's perfectly good, but you know, we've got him around 112 which is probably low if we're ranking for next year. So, yeah, okay. you know, that, that's putting them in round six through eight. And, and I, I think, think they do that off the standard or like half point PPR. And that's, I've got it. I've got it set for half point. Okay. Um, actually, no, I have it set for standard. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens to him when I go to PPR. Whoops. I didn't even realize that. So, I mean, these are just, again, these rankings are just kind of a baseline here. You know, it's uh, it, it is what it is. Um, uh, let's see what we have here. Renfro. Yeah. He's about the same. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it says 2022 fantasy rankings. Um, maybe we're a little bit low on him, but you know, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge the genius who put Jonathan Taylor top five this year. So I'm going to leave that be. Um, yeah, but, I, I would want to yeah. see, I would want to see what the Raiders do because Brian Edwards is supposed to be the second coming to the best wide receivers. It hasn't happened yet. Zay Jones has been, I think like an afterthought too. So in some yeah. ways it's been Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and that's it. And the Raiders are going to have to add somebody at wide receiver, whether it be, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think like, a. Oh man, um, Michael Gallup before his injury would have been kind of perfect on that outside type Ooh, of spot. Yeah, that would have uh, been that's great. I like right. That. You know, like there there are going to be those players available this offseason that make sense for the Raiders, or they could draft somebody. And I don't, you know, th- there's a lot of momentum that this team has right now, getting into the playoffs, the new stadium now, and year two for the Raiders in Las Vegas. I think they they can in some ways have Renfro have less opportunities and him still be just as efficient, if not more so with those opportunities yeah yeah i'm fine with that so i mean that adp where we're at suggests like you know round eight or or, or later but um i could see him you know i'll take him way before then yeah give me a fifth sixth rounder next year i can get on with that uh let's let's hit another wide receiver again we mentioned patterson renfro i I think it's got to be darnell mooney uh as the as the next one at least of the regular season we'll get to amon ross st brown who i now have to make sure I say his name correctly mm-hmm. because he's just a dynamite threat at all times. But first, Darnell Mooney, he he surprised me in particular. But we were both thinking, hey, mm-hmm. if there's a Bears wide receiver that goes off, it's dun da da Allen Robinson. 
exactly. then by like halfway through the podcast, we're like, all right, you know, F it. We got to mm-hmm. cut him every single week, like dropping out on Robinson mm-hmm. time. And he's another guy too, that this off season could go to a different team and be more interesting. I had absolutely zero Darnell Mooney, maybe a best ball or two, because one, I knew quarterback play was going to be terrible Two, I figured, you know, Allen Robinson would be awake for part of the season. Obviously that was incorrect. And, uh, you know, and three, Bad organization, bad quarterback play, and four. You know, I'm just repeating myself now. But no, uh, he was always big play dependent really too, important. right? He was always, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to stress those one and three; they're the same. But also, he was always kind of big play dependent, right? So you could get his big weeks in best ball, but have to settle with one catch, nine yard weeks too. Uh, he ended up being more consistent than I gave him credit for. So uh, you know, that's great and all. We'll see where he ends up. I'm not in any kind of a rush to draft him. His ADP was 112 this past year. And uh, I don't really see that changing necessarily. I don't know. I don't even know if you draft him as a wide receiver three. He's more of a bye week fill in type guy, hoping you catch one of his big weeks, hoping if if it's uh, if, you know, Chicago's where he stays, you know, you expect improvement in quarterback play there. So uh, he was definitely a useful fantasy asset this year. No doubt about it here. But my outlook on him hasn't necessarily changed. Tom. You wouldn't draft Mooney as a wide receiver three. Yeah, I mean, again, it would so much depends, but uh, I, I, I don't feel I think great about offense, it. I want to see where he goes. Better. I think the yeah. offense can only get better because it was one of the worst in the league, Justin Fields, in year two. I think, it, and guaranteed as the starter, not this Andy Dalton BS. Like, I, I think that can only help. And, and when Fields was healthy, he was looking at Mooney. Like, that was his number one guy. And even though it's a bad offense, theoretically, a number one guy has some value. I think. Time and time again, this season we've seen that in particular. So yeah, Mooney's yeah. a wide receiver three in that eight nine range, mm-hmm. like where we were drafting DJ Chark la- yeah. last year. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean it'll be his third year in the leagues. So if you buy the third year breakout na- narrative, he's only twenty four this year. So um, yeah, I mean maybe you can come around. I got to I got to erase some of that Bears bias, I guess. Yeah. All right, time to talk about him. The sun got himself. I'm in Ross St. Brown. Uh, Alan and I discussed him in detail last week because we were kind of tipping our toes into the dynasty conversation as to like, Hey, if you're doing a complete dynasty redraft, where are you drafting Amon Ra? And I said fourth round. And I, I'll be curious where that conversation ends up going more this off season after what has been just a scintillating end to the year. But that guy literally won you leagues. And I've always told people, Hey, if the, you know, you could do the donate to the charity, if a player helps you out, I'm buying the rookie card uh, for a player that helps me, win a championship and I'm buying a lot of Amon Ra and a lot of Jamar Chase this offseason when it's actually cheap enough for me mm-hmm. to do so. The both isn't, of guys it, were isn't this ultimate like buy high on Chase? <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm wasting money on Chase for sure. Exactly. But Amon Ra, maybe not so much. But I, I'm curious yeah, no. what your thoughts are on him. Yeah, I mean, the guy's, a, the guy's a stud and he's getting a tremendous amount of volume here. Now, he didn't get, there are a couple 10 point on the dots, but he didn't actually surpass 10 fantasy points and half point PPR until week 13, which started a stretch of 19.8, 11.3, 19.5, 21.5, in the championship mm-hmm. and 22.1 in week 18 for good measure. He was wide receiver 75, 202 overall. And, uh, you know, because all of his production was backloaded, it's not going to be the same. But he's a guy that's going to have a ton of helium uh, up in draft boards and uh, absolutely is going to be a low-dollar keeper for for a lot of people here. So um, he was a league winner for people that, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, Antonio Brown or, or, or DeAndre Hopkins or any of these receivers that went down and really hurt you. He was a league winner and you recovered for him. And oh man, a fourth round pick. It's so tough to tell because it's going to depend on what's all around. And he does play for the lions after all, 
but I don't see, you know, necessarily them having to uh, get a ton of them, them to necessarily stop having to play catch up is what I'm trying to say here. I, I don't think that team suddenly gets a whole lot better. Um, now a healthy Swift for 16 games, which we haven't been able to count on yet. That might take a little bit of volume away, but I'm absolutely fine with uh, making the sun God a top 20, top 25 receiver next year. Yeah. And so my thought is given what he did these past couple weeks and how he's going to be fondly remembered by a lot of people, he's going to be overdrafted. We just talked about Darnell Mooney and Hunter Renfro and, you know, sixth through eighth round and how that's going to be value. I bet you Amon gets higher than that. Uh, and I'm not convinced the Lions offense is going to look drastically better this year than they did last mm-hmm. year. So maybe that helps, but you're going to have a fully healthy DeAndre Swift a fully healthy TJ Hawkinson. And if you remember, St. Brown wasn't Amon Ross St. Brown until after Hawkinson went down. I think anything like in that fourth or fifth round range where I really believe he probably Mm -hmm. will end up going is going to be too high of a a draft for me Mm -hmm. with what we saw this past year. I would would be willing to bet that Sun God is drafted well ahead of Renfro, but I would be shocked zero if Renfro outproduces him next year. That's that's a great a great we'll line. I completely okay, now, that could be you know save that old takes exposed. I could very well get burned <laughs> by that if you know he somehow manages this pace all year long. But uh, that is, I, I believe that that's a very realistic scenario. Um, anybody else at wide receiver that you wanted to mention real quick that deserves recognition in our award show this this year? Yeah, you know, I was looking down the list. Nobody else really stands out a ton. Christian Kirk, Kendrick Bourne, Russell Gage were all productive for fantasy players at certain points, but, you know, they also had their bad weeks too. Um, I got to throw out Alan Lazard uh, just for a couple reasons. After his week 13 bye, he went 17.9, then a dud with 3.8, then finished 12.8, 16.2, 22. And uh, the reason I want to mention Lazard is not only was he a decent uh, playoff option, but I think if you're doing – fantasy football playoff drafts, which, you know, I like to get together with maybe three friends and and draft a roster for the playoffs and you get to keep them as long as they stay alive. Lazard is going to be a very, very sneaky pick in that because mm. obviously everyone knows about, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, but uh, Lazard, you know, has been back. He seems to be the wide receiver too. MVS could get some big plays here once in a while, but Lazard has been the guy Rogers looks to after Devontae in the red zone, especially, you know, because the tight end situation, you know, he doesn't have his tight end one necessarily this year. So Lazard's a sneaky guy. I think he can get later in playoff drafts. I like that. That's an interesting name. And uh, anytime we can talk more fantasy, even if it's playoff fantasy, uh, NFL playoff fantasy, I should say, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, other other guys, real quick, Christian Kirk, Kendrick Bourne, Russell Gage, KJ Osborne. I actually started Christian Kirk uh, in my NFFC team almost the entire year, which ended up taking second place, the the beat Joe Bartle uh, Rotoware Online Championship. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't finish in the money. Sorry, Jake. I not able to share that. Uh, the nice. big kudos to you or the, the two hundred thousand. But I, mean, at least- I, I did see. Like I, I know our customer support sent out all the uh, beat expert ABC mm-hmm. uh, type of people this week, and you know some of our other experts got worked. So congrats on finishing second. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty happy with it, and, and we went through a lot. I mean, there's a lot of different injuries to a lot of different players, as as most people did. I thought that was a really successful mm-hmm. season, and probably you know, unfortunately, of my fifteen leagues, that was. One of my best ones. I did not do very well in a few other places. So mm-hmm. Christian Kirk is a wide receiver three ended up working out really well. And I know they drafted Rondale Moore and they have DeAndre Hopkins. They have AJ Green. There is no reason statistically Christian Kirk next year should be anything more than a wide receiver, th- uh, you know, probably wide receiver four or five for people. 
but we know how good that offense can be if something yeah. works out in his favor. Mm-hmm. And man, I like I it's it's a really tantalizing aspect for me for a depth piece once again next year. Yeah, I mean, I expect Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore to maybe get a little bit better and uh, see some more usage. Um, I wasn't a huge believer going into the season, but, uh, you know, he he turned me around a little bit watching him play more often. And I think uh, if they use him right, he'll be more productive than Kirk next year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tight ends. I, I'm looking at a rundown. I'm shocked at this figure. So I want you just to clarify after I repeat it that this is, in fact, a real thing. Dalton Schultz. Cowboys Titan Dalton Schultz was the number three overall fantasy tight end this season. Is that correct? Let me double check that because I got to, you know, check it. But uh, in half point PPR, you know, I've, I've got it up on my other screen over here. Mark Andrews, number one, 247.6. Travis Kelsey, number two, 216.8. Dalton Schultz, number three. 169.8 and even wow. with all the like an 80 point drop off between yes the second and <laughs> yes <laughs> exactly know. yeah i mean remember waller missed all those games and he was hurt so uh you know he didn't have it going on a kittle missed a lot of games otherwise and then kind of i think kittle got hurt at the end of the season and just never went reported because he was an mm. absolute stud and then it just kind of dropped off a bit um you know and then zach Ertz was tight end five here so you know there's a there's a whole lot going on with the tight end position but you get a guy pretty much universally undrafted, tight end 80, excuse me, 251 overall ADP. The guy went nuts. Incredible. So so the question is, is uh, you know, again, I saw a lot of fantasy playoff, a lot of fantasy titles starting Dalton Schultz. The question is, is how do you identify him? Because I know I wasn't such a believer after week one. You know, he had six targets at Tampa Bay and then just caught two for 18 in week two. And then his breakout game, he had six for 80 and two touchdowns in week three. And, you know, Blake Jarwin, the other guy there, he didn't get hurt and go on the IR until week nine. So I would see Dalton Schultz succeed in games. And I would think to myself, you know, they've got Lamb and Cooper, who are the top two guys. They've got capable pass catching backs. Gallup got hurt, of course, and that, uh, you know, opened up more targets. But. I had a tough time really clicking and wanting mm-hmm. to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Maybe part of that is because I always use a lot of draft stock on the top tight ends. You know, I ended up with a lot of Kittle, Waller, you know, was, one you're Kelsey no fan this guy year. Too. Yeah, and I ended up. You're right. I was a big fan guy in that same tier here, and I thought I thought he was going to be just fine. Um, so I didn't rush to pick him up, but you know, maybe that's a lesson I have to learn. You know, with these tight ends, having a valuable tight end too is important. And uh, Dak loves the tight end. You know, what can I say? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, what do I do with this information that Dalton Schultz is the number three scorer? It's not like the Cowboys offense, I think, is going to get worse next year. I think they're one of the best, and Dak Prescott's really darn good. And even if Michael Gallup does leave for greener pastures, whatever, that they have so many other good guys that it's not going to hurt things. Do I think Dalton Schultz will be the number three scorer again next year? No, I, I don't think so. I think Waller and Kittle could maybe stay more healthy or – Somebody else emerges, but you look at the rest of the guys and we'll talk about these ones real quick, but just off the rundown that you have Zach Ertz was the number five scorer. Gronk was number six, Dawson Knox, number eight. I, you know, I played Dawson Knox enough leagues. You weren't excited to have Dawson Knox. It was touchdown or anything. I mean, the, the tight end touchdown or bust. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I touch on it. Touchdown or bust. It was so, I mean, like the tight end position is so, it has such, such lack of depth that, yeah, I think Dalton Schultz is a top five or six option is entirely plausible next year and almost makes me think, can I get Dalton Schultz 
later on with the same people fading him like we were this entire year? Or is he going to be pushed up too high in like the seventh or eighth yeah. round among those Noah fans? And yeah. I mean, if you re-rank him, you know, whatever. I mean, just re-rank the tight ends. Kelsey has to be number one again. And then, you you know, you still have Andrews would probably be ranked number two going into mm-hmm. next year. Waller Kittle still have to be there. And I think Pitts has a case for number five. Dalton Schultz will probably be ranked tight end six on uh, on most preseason rankings, I imagine. Could you make a case for Fant, you know, getting better? It'll depend, you know, what that Prior situation be looks like. Maybe one with the Steelers, what they do at quarterback. Yeah, but I mean... Uh, who's going to throw to the tight end more than Big Ben? <laughs> you know, I don't a know, rookie maybe, tight, a rookie quarterback. Yeah, that or maybe if Rodgers goes there, you know, he, he could he could sneak a Tanya type year. But uh, I mean, I, so basically, after what I'm saying again is after those top six tight ends, and I don't even know if you want to put Schultz in that tier. Uh, you, you probably could. I mean, Gallup, out, Cedric Wilson basically sticks around and is in, can be just as productive here. You know, it's a three wide receiver set team. Um, but again, yeah, after that top five, you're kind of, you're kind of toast and you're hoping to, uh, you know, get lightning in a bottle here, which just doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. And you know, the lightning, the bottle would have been Zach Ertz. Otherwise who ended up being tight end five. Uh, you know, I think the best value for him is the Cardinals, but after that, cause he is a free agent this off season, the next best value is the Colts. And I can guarantee you if Zach Ertz signs with the Colts, he will be a top five fantasy tight end next year, provided he's healthy. I, like I, yeah. I will stick my name to that one. Yeah. yeah. Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm going to give you that for sure. That is uh, the dream destination here. Now, Ertz was a guy I drafted with like one of my last picks in, in a lot of leagues. But uh, in the shallower ones, I definitely cut him early on. Um, and then had to pick him back up in the league that I ended up finishing with him in. But, uh, yeah, if he goes to Indianapolis, geez, it's game over. It's lights out. I believe that. He'll be in his age 32 season next year, so he's getting there. But I th- still think that at that position you can be productive in your 30s. Yeah, like I, I think he is going to be a guy that – and the Colts should be looking at tight end with Jack Doyle and, and Mo Ali Cox kind of struggling with injuries and whatever else. They, they really should be looking – um, for, for that combination to be effective. So I, I like, I, I think Zach Hurts is going to be huge. Um, and then Fryermuth again, I mentioned him not big Ben is almost certainly gone, but if there is a rookie quarterback that goes to Pittsburgh, you know, rookie quarterbacks love tight ends. And I think Fryermuth really showed me something as a, a Zach Ertz light type of tight end, which is by no means a slight on him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. So that'll, that pretty much wraps it up for tight ends. But I mean, yeah, you're right. Ertz could definitely get into that top 10 ranking depending on destination. Yeah. Normally we do like a, a redraft of, or sorry, like a, a start to the first round of next year. Um, I'll be honest, Jake, I wasn't quite prepared for that. So instead to end the show, I want to just basically dunk on everyone and talk about how great we were with the over unders <laughs> that we projected at the very beginning of the season. Great. You're know, slightly profitable. You know? <laughs> hey, hey, Vegas is upset that we are slightly profitable. We beat the books. Right now. We'll say that. So yeah. How did our board bet end whoa, whoa, up? Joe? Hold, on, hold, on, hold on. Jake, I need to give my final rundown of the year or the final read of the year. Oh, final read. Okay. You're right. Final read First of up. our podcast edition uh, for this season, at least skybox sports network is a hardcore source for odds and sports tickers. Skybox sports has created an entertaining and relevant product for, or yeah, products for restaurants, sports, bars, casinos, racing, sports, book arenas, stadiums, etc. Now you can get that little bit of Vegas in your own fan cave. Skybox or Skybox's low cost and state of the art Wi-Fi platform is a simple and affordable plug 
play and active format. Skybox Sports Tickers bring you live odds, prop, uh, propositions, fantasy sports, hires, fires, trades, breaking news and recaps, really anything you can imagine with in-depth coverage for all these different sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, NASCAR, UFC, special events, and really so much more. Visit skyboxsportsnetwork.com and use promo code ROTOWIRE5 for a 5% discount off of your order. Jake, I know you have a house. Uh, that is a perfect place for your house right now. If you want to have one of those sports tickers up there, uh, as soon as I can eventually get into that same realm where I'm a homeowner, I'm excited to dive into that platform too. So I talked about the over-unders we had done at the very beginning of the year, um, picking every single team, every single division and their over-unders. We both came out ahead. In fact, we both finished with identical 5, 12, and 5 records, despite the fact that we, we had different picks in a lot of different ways. It's kind of oh, incredible yeah. how it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, somehow 15, 12, and 5. So five pushes there that were, you know, that weren't the .5 numbers and were right on the dot. Um, that is enough to be profitable long-term. Granted, we each only did it for one year. But I will say that is enough to save that segment for next year. We'll do it again uh, before the season here. Um, out of that 15, 12, and 5 record, I had four Four plays signifies is what I called my best bets. I won two of them. I had Cowboys over nine and a half wins and Bears under seven and a half wins. The Bears one was shooting fish in the table. I believed in the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy uh, more than what I say, shooting fish in a barrel, not shooting. Yeah, fish the table's the table. fine too. If there's yeah, a whatever. fish in a table, you probably shot that. Yeah, pretty yeah, well yeah, too. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be pretty hard to hit. Your plates flopping around. And, and, <laughs> Anyway, as opposed to a barrel, I think they're equally easy. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're swimming in a barrel. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, bad expression. <laughs> okay, we're gonna end the end the year just like that, right? Um, <laughs> so no, and then I had I had Patriots under nine and a half, and man, they gave me a push towards the end. Uh, you know, with a not so strong finish, kind of sliding into the playoffs. They ended up with ten wins, so I lost that bet, and I pushed the Bills over eleven. You know, they ended up with exactly eleven. So two one and one in best bets, 15, 12, and five. Um, I'll take it. I mean, it's good enough to do this next year. I got to, uh, when we go to Vegas this summer, I'm going to have to lay down, uh, some more of these, maybe just do $10 a team and, and hopefully come out ahead again and just wheelbarrow stack of tickets over back for next year. Yeah. I thought it's interesting. You went completely perfect on the NFC North division. You had over on the Packers, 10 wins under on the Vikings, nine under on the bears, four, uh, seven and a half under on the Lions, four and a half. Yeah. That you, was you paid off being a homer, I guess. Right. You know? As I'm saying, you, you over really, everybody else under all these, the rest of these teams are trash. You really, you really knew the NFC North. Well, conversely, you had no idea what was happening in the NFC West. You got literally every one of those wrong under 10 and a half wins for the Rams over 10 and a half for the Niners. We both got that one wrong over 10 for the Seahawks. It's crazy to think how far that Russell Wilson injury really led the Seahawks down mm -hmm. that path. And then under eight and a half for the Cardinals, the Cardinals ended up being way better than we anticipated too. There was no bigger surprise, I think, than the Eagles. We both had under six and a half wins, obviously uh, qualified for the playoffs. I think they finished either with nine or 10. The stupid 18 games kind of messes me up in that, in that mindset. Um, but it, I, I liked this exercise quite a bit. And while my best bet, which was also that under nine and a half wins for the Patriots did end up losing. I thought it really kind of gets, it got us into the right mindset for, understanding what the NFL is going to give us this season. And for the most part, I think we were pretty effective in that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, us both going under on the Patriots was kind of assuming that either Cam Newton starts 16 games for them or Cam Newton starts eight stinks and then goes to a rookie. You know, we didn't really anticipate at the time Mac Jones taking over week one and playing very serviceably in that system. So um, 
you know, not to make excuses. You know, that was a loss. A loss is a loss. We didn't see that one quite right. Maybe shouldn't bet against Belichick. That could be a lesson we take in next year. We'll see. But, I mean, that number is going to be higher than nine and a half next year. People are going to expect him to progress. Mm. I, yeah, I agree. You know, ultimately, the Cam Newton, Mac Jones thing, really what we did wrong was bet against Bill Belichick. And you're never supposed to bet against Bill Belichick. That, that was the, figure it out. You know, that was the one thing we took a loss on. But, um, you know what? That does it for us, Jake. We'll be back again next year uh, mm-hmm. around this mid-July. A couple weeks after 4th of July, yeah. usually it goes. Mid-July, yeah. uh, I mean, early August. Hopefully yeah, I won't have yeah. a kid inbound, so there won't be any of those <laughs> conversations. We'll be, uh, I'll be really learning some things today if that mm-hmm. was the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so you guys, I mean, I'm sure the listeners out there will see Joe quite a bit over the course. I mean, I'll be back probably once a month to do an MMA show over on their MMA YouTube channel. And then uh, you'll probably see too much of me in March Madness. I'll, I'll probably join you guys on XM for that. So uh, those are the next chances you have to look forward to me. Otherwise, I go into hibernation uh, between the end of the college basketball season and the start of football season. Um, but overall, hey, it's a pleasure. It's always fun doing this, uh, you know even as the role has evolved here and he with for me and he, even as we uh you know get absorbed by another company here the the, the once a week nfl podcast i don't know if i'm ever going to be able to let that go so i agree uh, hope you hopefully you guys enjoy the content that we've produced i mean all these award winners we've at least mentioned by name you know maybe we weren't always super high on them at the time <laughs> but you're going to get all the names here and then uh hopefully you know you can take that use it with whatever else you do to research and make some league winning pickups and, uh, you know, helping you guys is really what it's all about. So thanks for tuning in all year. I appreciate that. And, you know, I think that's exactly, uh, exactly correct. And hopefully the listeners are able to take away some, uh, bits of information, use it effectively in your wave aware or auction, you know, uh, free stuff. I think it's been great. And I've, I've loved doing these shows with you, Jake now, and I hope to do it again next year. And, Looking forward to that role. That officially does it for us in the Tuesday, January 11th edition, the final RotoWare Weekly NFL podcast. Mario and Jake will be back, I think, every other week or something like that. Mario uh, and John. So, yeah, sorry, Mario and John. Thank you. Mario. Go dogs. Go yeah, dogs. Yeah, John's, John's just gone somewhere celebrating the Georgia victory. Good for I don't him. know. He might be in jail right now. We'll see. I, I hope so. I would be. If uh, yeah, exactly. Win. That's, that's, yeah, Mario and John every other week or every week. I'm not quite sure what their schedule is. And then Alan Solowski, who we've had on, now, the past two weeks, we'll be also doing, I believe, either a weekly or bi-weekly podcast uh, focusing specifically on Dynasty information and pickups and bringing in a lot of different guests. His first one's going to be Jerry Dynabedian, I think, in next week or two weeks. So a lot of great content still in the Rotoware NFL Podcast Network. Just won't be us every every Tuesday. So uh, officially signing off. And again, this is brought to you by WinBet. They've been fantastic partners for us the entire season. You can follow them at W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotoware's fantasy podcast again thanks everyone for listening for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done